You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. We are continuing our Oscar Best Picture series, hopefully. Fingers crossed this that all of the movies we're talking about will actually be Oscar Best Picture contenders with a movie by Paul Thomas Anderson. This is Licorice Pizza. Uh, this movie is... Uh, a little meandery and that's no, no value judgments yet. But basically the reason what I'm trying to say is there's very little story or plot to this movie, or at least like concrete plot. So I'm using that as an excuse to say the same thing I say every week, pretty hard to spoil it. But if you're worried, we do pretty much go into spoilers very early. There's a couple of spoiler warnings, but like, even after those, I'm not sure which are spoilers and which aren't. So be warned, if this is a movie you want to go into as blind as possible, um, come and see us when you're back and we'll tell you our thoughts. But if you have already seen this movie or you don't care about spoilers, then I have got a David Bowie song for you right here. This is Life on Mars. That's what it is. It's a god-awful small affair To the girl with the mousy hair But her mummy is yelling no And her daddy has told her to go But her friend is nowhere to be seen Now she walks through her sunken dream To the seat with the clearest view and she's hooked to the silver screen But the film is a saddening bore For she's lived it ten times or more She could spit in the eyes of fools As they ask her to focus on Is their life on Mars? You're listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. And today, we're going to be talking about something, I guess, very special. We're sort of continuing our... Um, are what will hopefully turn into a series of episodes about Oscar Best Picture nominees. But of course, there are no nominees yet, so we're just kind of guessing at it. And um, today, we're going to talk about the newest movie by Paul Thomas Anderson, Licorice Pizza. Um, all right, Pierre. What do you know about Paul Thomas Anderson? Uh... Well, as I <laughs> putting me on the spot again, huh? you know, I've heard of this. I've actually heard like I've heard a, a bit about him. I, I only like I, 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 I he's like kind of like an urban legend in my my mind where it's like I've never seen any of his movies, but I've definitely heard of his name. 
Um, I, I know like what his last movie had was the Phantom Thread, and it had the it has the last perform or last scene performance of uh, Daniel what's his Day name? Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. So I think that was like a big deal. I've never seen it, but I, it like created and- a lot of buzz, right? Um, yeah. So I, uh, yeah, that's that's all I really know. Um, well, yeah. you know what I'm also noticing looking at his filmography. A while back, this is almost two years ago now. Um, we were we did a couple of episodes about Adam Sandler movies. I think we only did two, but we were basically looking for like good Adam Sandler performances. We talked about uncut gems, and then I, at least I had heard. I think you too that rain over me was like his best performance besides that and it wasn't but we watched that as well you know what paul thomas anderson made punch drunk love which i have not seen but that is the other one that people are always like oh that's adam sandler's best dramatic performance so i mean straight up once once things uh once things with award season slow down and we're looking for more movies Punch Drunk Love is on my great big list of things I eventually want to talk about at some point, but like that list is way longer than we will ever have time to cover on this show. So will <laughs> it come up? Maybe. Maybe eventually. Um, yeah, but I guess in the meantime, we'll, we're talking about. Uh, wait, do we talk about? Say it's licorice pizza. Licorice. Yeah, well, pizza? it is licorice pizza. I don't yeah. know if we've talked about it yet, but yeah. that's what it is. That's the title. I don't know what it means, if I'm going to be honest. Um, Adam, do you know? Um, I read a brief interview with him because the working title for this... Actually, nobody knows what the working title is, I don't think, except Paul Thomas Anderson. But um, early on, this movie was reported as being called Soggy Bottom, which was actually just the name of, like, one of the companies that was working on it, I think, I think it may have been one of the tiny production companies or something. It was also um, the name of one of the that was in the movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was like, like a thing in the movie. That's kind of funny. Yeah, um, but Paul Thomas Anderson came out later and was like, "No, this is not called Soggy Bottom. Uh, we're going to call it Licorice Pizza." And I believe what he said is that Licorice Pizza was actually the name of a record store near where he grew up. And like, it wasn't a big record store or a famous record store or anything, but just whenever he thinks back on growing up, like that, he thought that name was really unique and it captured the vibe of the era. So like basically licorice pizza is him, is, is him saying head empty only vibes. Okay. I, I mean, like, honestly, it, it kind of matches. You're right. It does match the tone. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it does, in a way, like, I don't know, like, it, it's very, it's a very unique title. Like, when I, I, I think the reason I, I was picking between maybe, what, a couple movies we were going to watch this week, right? Um, yeah. And I chose this one just because the title sounded a lot very interesting. So, it's a good title. I'll give it that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. You want to explain what the movie's about? You got you got that in you? I can try. I honestly don't know. Like, it's I have bad. seen this movie, but, like, it's... This movie is very light on plot, I would say. So, like, right out the gate, this movie starts with... Uh, is his name Gary? I think his name is Gary. Yeah. Um, Gary is hitting on, like, one of the... 
assistants at his school. I think she's, I think she helps with the uh, school photo, school pictures company or something. Uh, Gary being played by Cooper Hoffman. Uh, the person he's hitting on is Alana Kane played by Alana Heim um, or Haim. Anyway, um, it starts off with Gary hitting on Alana and then as the film progresses, it just kind of follows them through an unspecified period of time. Like it's definitely at least a couple of weeks. It's probably at least a couple of months. It could be a year and a half. It's really hard to say for sure, I think. Um, But it's just kind of like them growing up in the 70s, Gary and Alana's relationship as it develops and Gary has like a bunch of really weird business ideas that actually are not bad. They're pretty good, but he's just like a very excitable entrepreneurial type, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it just kind of follows him in his various endeavors and Alana as she sort of hops between jobs and helps out Gary and their relationship as it develops. That's really the best I can say. Cause like, I can get really into the weeds of describing every single one of those business endeavors, but I don't think it's, it really matters. Like this movie is a lot of jumping between settings um, just to sort of, it's almost like vignettes, but not quite. Yeah. It's a, I don't know. They really capture the vibe of like a, like, I I think the pacing of a, of a, I don't know, a coming of age movie is really tough, especially with the time span they're working with. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So honestly, like, I think they pull off like the, cause honestly you could say, I I mean, like to me, it felt like a year uh, of time, you know, even though like it couldn't have been because the weather is very summery the whole time and like nothing unless, Mm -hmm. They're in California. Well, I don't know how California works. Um, depending on where you are in California, there are places where it just never gets wintry. Yeah, so that might be part of it too. But um, but yeah, that's 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 basically the movie. Um, well, I I uh, wait. Did did you mention that Alana was like a lot older? Did you say that? No, I didn't. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I feel like we got to talk about that eventually. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, like it's the. Kind of... I know. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say it's, I mean, is it a spoiler? I'm not really sure. It's kind of like the one thing everyone is talking about with this movie. In, oh, I mean, oh, okay. from what I've seen. Yeah. yeah, I haven't read much about it, but yeah, that is that is one of the first things I was commenting on after that. I mean, it's the whole point of the movie. Like, there is yeah. no movie without that the age gap, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, like, I don't know when was this place. Was this, this was the 70s, right? Is that what you said? No, I 80s. Because so, yeah, yeah. uh, no, Reagan was there. Sorry? Right? Wasn't Reagan in he was on TV in one of the things? Oh, Am maybe I thinking it was something 80s. else. I thought I don't it was the 70s. It feels like a very 70s movie. Okay. Um but yeah, I, I, I think it I think it might have been Nixon on the TV, not Reagan. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, I'm stupid. Yeah. Uh but yeah, anyways, the I think the the biggest strength of this movie by far is definitely the the time period it captures. Uh, it felt very mm-hmm. um like once upon a time in Hollywood, I think, but honestly better. I think the vibe was captured better uh, of California, I guess. I mean, there are different times, you know, I think Tarantino was mm-hmm. trying to do something else, but I think, uh, I appreciated this more, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I'm definitely the opposite. I really liked the the more I watched, I guess I guess maybe that's part of the issue too is I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at least 3 times now mm. and like every time I've watched it I've liked it more. Maybe I would feel the same with Licorice Pizza, but like I didn't like this movie honestly. So like I don't know if I would like it more the second time I watched it and I thought I that <laughs> I thought that 60s Hollywood was way more interesting than 70s I don't Whatever know some annoying some annoying kid trying to sell gas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I, I I see what you mean. I, I guess like the general, uh, like like obviously Hollywood's much more interesting, especially with like the Tarantino is playing with like you know Manson and there's like a lot of mm-hmm. different elements going on. Um, well, I, I just kind of like I guess the day to day like children vibe of it was kind of interesting even though it's very unrealistic like a, a lot of i don't know what what kids were capable of legally back in the day but i feel like there are a lot of things here that surprised me well there's um also just I'll, I'll move on past it in a minute but just one more comparison i'm realizing to once upon a time in hollywood is like both of these movies through their and I don't mean this as an insult, kind of aimlessness, the way they just sort of meander around and try more to portray this setting rather than like a specific story within the setting. Um, Both of them end up coming off like vignettes because, you know, their characters don't necessarily follow a specific plot line. They follow multiple plot lines because it's just like we follow them one day and then the next day they get into some other shenanigans. And so like, And they end up being, like, pseudo-vignettes without being, like, defined vignettes that way. Almost like anthologies, but clearly not anthologies. And I think that, um, for me, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood pulled that off better. Because, like, you know, when we're on the film set and we've got Brad Pitt sparring with Bruce Lee, once that's over, we've moved on to the next thing. And I didn't quite get that out of this. Like... We just sort of moved between those settings, and once we were at a different setting, yeah, the other one was over, but it was like, how did we get here? Yeah, there was a few kind of weird cuts that to, to more parts of the movie that felt very derivative, I guess. I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess the the movie uh, in general is... like It, it, it has this, a certain themes that it's really trying to focus on, and I think it gets to a point where it's just like really frustrating to deal with. Like I think it's a two hour mm. movie, right? I think Licorice Pizza? It it felt like around two hours. Um I, I think it, it should have been like an hour and a half or something. Um because I, I I feel like given that the, there's like lots of themes of just like childhood, but then also like I don't know, like forbidden love in a way. Or not forbidden, but I mean it is forbidden <laughs> <laughs> but it's forbidden by law she's 25 and he's 15 yeah no but it's just weird because it's like no one really talks about it like no one's concerned everyone actually seems very fine with it like no one in the movie is ever like this is wrong except for there's the... a couple of people but like very few well surprisingly few i, I don't know what mm-hmm. it was like in the 70s you know like maybe that was more socially acceptable back then um, even though it's still illegal, but uh, yeah, I I don't know. It, and they were just the themes were just kind of gross to me, and I, I think it really ruined it. Um, yeah, I agree. Like, I don't know. This movie wasn't explicitly 
it wasn't like explicitly ad- advocating statutory rape. <laughs> um, but like, it's also, it's like, <clears throat> no one, very few people really question this, a- this like huge age gap that is actually illegal. And like, it does constitute a relationship with a minor that's like, in my opinion, not okay. And it's not a bad thing to portray that in a movie, but the way that this movie just like unquestioningly did that and like never, not never addressed it, but when it was addressed, it was like, oh yeah, it's fine. It's like, I don't think Paul Thomas Anderson is advocate is advocating for that kind of relationship, but I think that by like portraying it in a more positive like not even that neutral, more of a positive light. It's like, dude, there's people in Hollywood that like are sex pests. Don't encourage them, please. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard for me to say exactly why I think that's a big issue because like I don't think this movie advocates for that, but at the same time like I don't think this movie helps that cause either. It it feels like Paul Thomas Anderson was in like a uh, was in a relationship where he was like kind of statutory raped, um, and he's like trying to deal with the trauma of it all. Like it, it just felt very like insistent of himself. Like this is okay. Like mm-hmm. there was nothing wrong with this, you know. Um, which you know that just that just made the movie weirder. If that makes sense. Like I don't I don't mind. Yeah. I think. I think the themes of that are kind of interesting where like, obviously like a, a lot of it is like uh, Alana's in this world where she is constantly surrounded by men that abuse her both physically and emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, uh, she lives in a home that she doesn't want to be in and she wants a way out. Right. Um, yeah. And so like, I think it, it would have been interesting if they kind of played with like, with that a bit of like oh she like the only guy she knows for some reason that that actually cares about her is someone that is 15 um Mm might have been interesting and actually like on that note i think it's i think i get an idea of what he's trying to do because like gary and alana are two people in and this is the important part of their relationship in very different places in their lives. Like Gary is just coming out of high school. He's like on his way up and he's a child actor and he probably doesn't exactly have like, it's, it's not like he's ultra famous right away, but he's clearly like on the way up. And meanwhile, Alana is 25. Um, which like, I don't know exactly what it was like to be a 25 year old Jewish woman in California at that time, clearly, but like she's 25 and she's had several years of just life beating her up. So like she's at, she's not at a place that Gary will be in 10 years, but 10 years ago, she may have been more or less where Gary was. And so it's interesting to like, And, like, I think that's the important thing is we're getting two people from similar but, like, ultimately very different worlds and they have this relationship that kind of – where they kind of complete each other. And, like, that theme is there. And I think that theme is good. It's just – it's really hard for me to get over the the specific worlds he picked. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> I, I like. I, I think the the biggest problem was that she just. Well, first of all, okay, they didn't have any chemistry. I never felt chemistry between them. Maybe oh, at, yeah. at first for a bit, but for the rest of the movie, they're just they get mad at each other and they're always trying to like like make the other jealous and stuff. And like what the fifteen year old, it's kind of like okay, I understand he's fifteen. She's twenty five. <laughs> she's twenty five yeah. and she's acting this way. And not only that, like she's not even like actually very egotistical. Um, she she doesn't really bring much to the table. Like uh, I I don't want to say it, but like he's he's he seems to be very like smart. Like he he's very social, but he's also very smart. Um, like he provides her with lots of opportunity. He's fifteen and he's providing this this girl with opportunities to you know, to be an actress, to, to be involved in business and get her life together. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and it's just like, what, what is going on? And, and especially, I don't know. I, I just like, at least like, if, if you're going to make this creepy, at least make it kind of like healthy in a way, but it didn't even feel healthy, especially, I mean, um, she, she encounters a lot of other guys, uh, that we see because she's struggling with her emotions or whatever. Um, and it always feels like she only goes back to, to Gary because he's the only one that is obsessed with her, you know, like everyone mm-hmm. else is kind of like, uh, like, and that they, they don't, they're not really, I mean, a couple of them are actually like pretty, pretty bad, but, um, he like Gary never felt like, her dream guy if that makes sense she's just she's just like the guy that's there if that makes mm-hmm. sense and it, that made it even weirder because it's like does she even like him in that way you know um mm-hmm. yeah it is i don't know and and that's a, like they just keep doing that over and over again throughout the whole movie like she'll meet a guy and then gary will get jealous and then gary will meet like move on and then she'll get jealous that gary's moving on and then something bad will happen with the guy and then rinse and repeat the whole movie basically yeah and And in the end she always winds up in gary's arms which sounds like the like (laughs) that sounds like the tail end of a nice guy manifesto honestly yeah well honestly gary is like i mean he's very successful but he's he's kind of like a nice he feels like a nice guy if that makes sense like the stereotypical one yeah Um, he's like why are you going out with these other guys you belong with me oh i don't know dude it and I didn't like I didn't like Gary that much either. Like I thought he was kind of charming, but it's just uh, honestly the biggest thing for me was the I love the supporting cast. Like some of these characters, I want a movie. Like I would choose a movie about a lot of these side characters over any one in the main cast. I mean, like oh the guy like, the guy with the the Japanese wives <laughs> that owns the restaurant is actually one of the funniest characters I feel like I've ever seen in a movie. Um, mm. He was so good, like the, I don't know, I, I love the actor, and I love the, that whole, like it wasn't even an important role, I don't know why it was there, it was just a really funny oh, guy. Actually, speaking of which, John Michael Higgins, that was the actor, he was the guy from Pitch Perfect. He was, yeah, I, he, he honestly, like, he, he pulls, I haven't disliked him in a role, um, hmm. but yeah, that was amazing, I loved uh, Bradley Cooper, is that a spoiler, was Bradley Cooper advertised for this movie? Bradley Cooper was in like all of the trailers. Okay, that makes sense. He was in the trailers more than he was in the movie, almost. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Bradley Cooper was amazing in this too. He was 
he, he I felt like he really captured I mean like once he came on screen I feel like the rest of the cast was just like I don't care about their story anymore I want to see what Bradley Cooper's up to um mm-hmm. he was hilarious and it, the role was really engaging and funny and like chaotic um so yeah I had heard and like I don't know how true this is but I'd heard that originally um originally uh Leo was offered the role. Leo was offered a role in two different movies. He was originally offered the role in Nightmare Alley, but he couldn't due to some scheduling conflicts with Licorice Pizza that he'd already accepted the role in. But then something came up, I think COVID, and he couldn't uh, he couldn't do the Licorice Pizza thing, so he dropped out of that. And Bradley Cooper replaced him in both Nightmare Alley and Licorice Pizza. Jeez. Wait, who was the first guy? Sorry. Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh my god, wow. That that actually makes... Leo in this role would have been amazing too. Now I'm kind of sad. Oh my god, why do you have to tell me that? That would have been just as good, if not better. Probably better, actually. Oh, geez. I mean, Bradley Cooper did knock it out of the park in his, like, five minutes in this movie, though. Oh, for real, yeah. But yeah, that's the thing. It's just, like, like these two characters were, like, really, really good. And I I wanted more of that. But then they kept dragging me back into this... Again, extremely creepy romance that I, over the course of the movie, grew more and more restless about. Like, I was just like, please just stop, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't even... What, what, did you, uh, what did you think of uh, the romance? Do you have any thoughts on that? Just... I mean, I thought it was annoying. I didn't particularly like Gary that much. Um, I thought Alana Haim's... Um, or I guess Alana's, I think, I thought Alana's story was more interesting, but like, I mean, I didn't love either of them as much as the supporting cast. Like you said, like, you'll never hear me say, you'll almost never hear me say this for anything else, but I loved Sean Penn in this movie. I don't typically like Sean Penn, but he was awesome in this movie. I actually didn't like like Sean Penn that much. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I can understand why you like him though. I understand your point of view. And like Benny Safdie was an interesting character. He oh, played, uh, yeah, oh he played a him. closeted politician. And like, I think that him and his story, which kind of involved Alana, kind of develops a crush on him, and then like that develops, and ultimately it doesn't work out. Like she never even says anything because it turns out that Benny Safdie's character is a closeted gay man. Um. And, like, I thought that that entire storyline right there, which was, like, 20 minutes at the end, was that was probably my favorite part of the movie. Because I, re- I I thought that that, like, um, I thought that was just the best executed tiny piece of the script. Yeah. Yeah, that actually, like, um, I mean, yeah, Benny Safdie. I mean, this guy's a really good actor. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what else to say. He's just, he's just really good. Um, and he brought a lot of... Uh, I don't know, just a lot of, like, surprisingly a lot of pain to that role uh, at a really uh, critical mm-hmm. moment in the movie, right? Um, him and the, the other guy, sorry, the guy that played Matthew that he's with, uh, he was really good, too, and he had, like, two minutes of screen time or something. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that was, like, again, that's another side story. I think that's what, like, this movie did. Like, I mean, the main plot was bad, but honestly, like, I was still, like, I was frustrated, but I never felt bored, if that makes sense, because I think... 
the movie was paced really well and it, it did give us relatively consistently like interesting situations even though the main plot was really bad if that makes sense yeah like the pol- the politics thing was kind of cool um the whole thing with you know Bradley Cooper with like that whole sequence was really was really fun and interesting um the whole like acting I thought the acting thing at the start was kind of cool like Mm -hmm. uh like that there were things cool things happening i guess in the background like the ideas of it but just that that main plot was just like no if you took that if you changed that a lot i think this movie could have been a lot better for sure Um, honestly my way to fix this movie would literally just actually be to just actually turn it into vignettes like mm. each part of the each part of each of those stories like make this basically an anthology of all of these stories, because all of the stories individually were way more interesting than the sum of their parts. Yeah, which is uh, you know, unfortunate. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't even know what else to say. Like, I, I mean, it was an enjoyable movie. I'm not. I, I personally like. I, I enjoyed watching it. I don't think I'd want to watch it again. Um, but like, I and I. I don't. I feel like this is gonna be an Oscar contender, but just like not. Hopefully, not for like anything. Like I could see like production design and like maybe costuming and like maybe cinematography or something. But um, I, if I see like actually, I don't know. Maybe a best director. I could see best director. I mean, I think it was directed well too. I just think the script was terrible. Um. Mm. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Like what what hope what the academy holds in store but yeah that i've hearing so much about this movie is like one of the frontliners for the oscars makes me a little worried about this year i guess <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean this is a movie where i saw someone else say it in a review earlier today like the the i, I read a review by my buddy mark that was just like i he, he didn't much care for the movie and he was just kind of thinking that it was being pulled along. Like it was being pulled along basically by the fact that it's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Mm. And like considering that Paul Thomas Anderson is like a big name director. Yeah. I, I can see that. Like I, I was very excited for licorice pizza because it's from the guy that did inherent vice and there will be blood. So mm. like, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to go see this. And I saw this the same day as the Matrix Resurrections. And like, I'm, I'm going to be honest, that first movie was way better. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, well, I bet the, the Wachowski that directed it would be very happy to hear that. Um, I hope so. And like, if Lana Wachowski ever wants to come on our, uh, on our show, or honestly, even if Lily Wachowski wants to come on our show, I would welcome that. We would accept. I mean, we'd. I'd accept Paul Thomas Anderson too. I would, you know. Straight up, like, dude, Paul Thomas Anderson. If you're out there, come on our show for a Christmas episode next year. We'll talk about Eight Crazy Nights. I know you had nothing to do with that movie, but I really want to hear you talk about <laughs> talk about Adam Sandler, and specifically, I want to talk. I want to hear you talk about that specific Adam Sandler movie. I want to know your thoughts. That'd be cool. I don't know if I want to hear his if, thoughts about Licorice Pizza though. <laughs> if you know what, if Paul Thomas Anderson were to come on our podcast, I would definitely give him the option to like have some say in what movie we talk about, though. Yeah, 
It would be anyway. uh, interesting. That aside, ultimately, I guess like we're basically at the end here. What do you want to? What What would you What would you say for licorice pizza? Like, if you were to give it a rating of sorts, out of ten, maybe. Like, I don't know. I I feel like okay. If I'm giving it like a a purely objective score without creepiness factor, I'd say a seven. Like, it's a decently, it's a fun movie. It's kind of enjoyable, um, and it's, I think it's well directed. If I'm if I'm thinking about how ridiculous the main plot is and how creepy it is, I give it a like a five or a four or something. Like, yeah. I'm uh, I'm not going to make any promises about objectivity at all. This is going to be a purely <laughs> subjective rating. Uh, <laughs> being as charitable as I can, I'm going to give it like a week four on the on the uh, week four out of ten on the strength of the supporting performances alone, basically. Everything else, I mean, I don't wanna I don't wanna say harsh words about it, but I didn't like it. That's the point. I did not enjoy this movie very much. That is unfortunate. Hopefully we'll find another Oscar contender that is is better. Well yeah, we've got a bit of a dark a horse that we talked about. Uh, which one so I don't know I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping that uh, we talk about this and it does go to best picture because I think that the next movie I've already seen the next movie we're going to talk about and I think it is a, a very sweet movie that especially you Pierre will like a lot nice um, this is going to be our uh, yearly movie about hearing loss we're going to talk about Coda cool is that the last word no, the last word was word. <laughs>